Happy Hump Day. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman. And I am joined here, as I am every Wednesday, by my good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkley. Good day, Nicholas. Well, uh, we have a big show here today, everybody. Very excited uh, to present all of our news, chatter, our punditry. But, of course, we have two big interviews today. Uh, Later in the show, our own Scott Fishman, he's going to interview Chris Van Villett, who has just been doing a a stellar job recently getting all kinds of uh, big-name interviews and hard-to-get situations. Uh, But before that, right after our news block, I teased a special big interview here for today. And uh, we have the current impact wrestling x division champion rich swan will be on the winkley here today uh, chatting all about the x division uh, we talk a bit about john moxley as well since you know rich swan was also not so long ago in the uh, wwe backstage area so a lot to get to here today guys very excited to bring those two interviews to you uh but we have some uh, big news here to start off our news block and the news you can use news that'll leave a bruise John Moxley defeated Juice Robinson for the IWGP U.S. Championship at the Best of the Super Juniors Finals earlier this morning. This man is just a, a week and a half removed here from uh, getting back into professional wrestling at double or nothing. Uh, now a sitting uh, New Japan title holder. Uh, Justin, uh, what do you glean from this big win here from John Moxley? I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, look, he's uh, he's been cooped up and bottled up. Uh, the creativity and the love, as he said, has been sucked out of him for the past uh, six years or whatever it's been. Uh, he's making the interview rounds uh, with, you know, obviously with with Jericho and Keller and a couple other interviews he's done. And I'm not surprised. I mean, why why wouldn't you put a title uh, right on the guy uh, if if you have come to a deal to to use him with some regularity? I mean, he is right now. Like I, I think I said it to you last week, and I it's probably been raised even more now a week later how many times are we typing the name moxley right now it's crazy yeah absolutely you know john moxley is like the talk of the town i would have been surprised if juice robinson had actually picked up the victory here and uh you know of course forward thinking you know what is the uh what does this do for the overall landscape here of pro wrestling as it's moving forward you know uh aew uh getting its feet wet here will be uh, on tv in october now the possibility that uh, John Moxley, you know, sitting New Japan title holder, he could hold that title for who knows how long. You know, at the end of the year, come time to figure out where everybody's going to be partnering up next year. Uh, this uh, this puts uh, New Japan, I would think, in the good graces of AEW. I would think so. Um, yeah, I would think so. You know, and again, I say this, you know, it's it's becoming a more competitive landscape. Um, you know, I think that I think this is good for New Japan. I think it's good for AEW. Uh, you know, impact is on the rise with with what with what they're doing. I, I say it, and I'm not picking on them. I'm just calling it like I see it. I think Ring of Honor might be the casualty uh, in all this when all is said and done. Well, and, and it's interesting too because, like you know, it's a lot of the say, stuff that people are saying about Ring of Honor right now. You know, a lot of people are saying that about New Japan too when the Elite guys uh, went. You know, what's going to happen to New Japan? Are they going to lose their foothold here in North America by by losing all this talent? And it doesn't really seem like they missed much of a beat. You know, I thought New Japan came across really well at the Madison Square Garden show. I thought the the main event there was Switchblade dropping the title to Okada on American soil uh, really played well. I know that all the the hardcore New Japan friends that I had uh, before all the elite stuff are still just as hardcore and are keeping up with uh, the all the shows that New Japan does. And now to have a guy like Moxley holding your title, the U.S. title, bringing it back over here uh, to the states potentially and defending that title. I mean, New Japan here weathered this storm, I think, better uh, I think better than ROH for sure. And considering the struggles that uh, WWE seems to be having right now, I think they're weathering the storm better than that. I think New Japan is actually thriving and growing in this moment. 
they are thriving and growing. And of course, there's always a speculation out there of later this year when we uh, think we know that uh, guys like Gallows and Anderson, uh, WWE contracts might expire. And you know, if, if they go back to New Japan where they really had their careers take off, I mean, yes, I, I think New Japan, they're in a, they're in a, they're in a real strong situation right now. Agreed. Uh, well, congratulations to John Moxley. Uh, but let's talk a bit about uh, WWE. Now, I went over there and I said, you know, WWE, how they've weathered the storm here in the wake of Double or Nothing, as with ROH. Well, WWE actually does seem to be on a bit of a rebound here. I'm going to set the table by talking about uh, some good news WWE got in their Raw viewership from this past Monday. Uh, Monday's WWE Raw uh, featured The Undertaker's return. Uh, It was the final Raw before Super Showdown. They had advertised the cash-in by Brock Lesnar. Um, It drew an average of 2.405 million viewers. Uh, up 10% from last week's Memorial Day episode. Uh, this week's show, the first hour, drew 2.308. The second rose to 2.558. And then the final hour, 2.349, even a little above where that first hour was. And, of course, the final hour featured the return of The Undertaker and his uh, uh, to, the, to the buzzer uh, promo there that, that took <laughs> off the air. But, uh, you know, th- these, are good, these are good numbers here. And, you know, for all the, you know, their hot-shotting stuff with the, the Brock and the cash-in and bringing back a, a guy like Undertaker and what's going on with the 24-7 title, um, it, it, it definitely does seem to have helped this week, all of the, the various, uh, I hate to say stunts, but stunts they're pulling at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll have to see on the next few weeks go if they can sustain that kind of a trend. Um, but obviously, the third hour has been troublesome for them. You know, that's been the hour that uh, just has just been it's been it's been the worst, and um, uh, that's not good. So the fact they did hold the Undertaker for that final segment, the fact that there was the gimmick of you know, okay, they've been talking about it. I mean, maybe Brock still does cash in somehow. Maybe I don't know. He's, he's screaming Friday. Uh, of course, the twenty four seven title. You know, it's gimmicky, but it it has. Um, you know, just based upon some of the numbers we've seen, it does seem like it's grabbing some people's attention. So, sure. yeah, I mean, this this is a good sign for sure. Um, you know, it's it's it, it just also re, you know, it's it's not you know as 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 we can constantly talk about, they need to build new stars. I mean, it still obviously shows you the Undertaker is still a draw, even if he's just going to come out and, and say a few words. Um, you know, the the appearance of him is still uh is, is still an attraction. Yeah, and you know that we talked. I talked a bit about this yesterday with Weissman, but you know. Look at all this come back, you know, these numbers come back, and oh, we saw a boost and all that. You know, there have been less spots on the main shows recently because of this wild card, right, where like a, three, four guys or, or wrestlers, women as well, have been the, the features on both shows, across both shows. When you have three or four segments taken up by a lot of the same wrestlers on, on both shows, uh, you know, less people get, get TV time. If this seems to be working, I think we're going to see more of this, which is going to, I feel, make uh, opportunity for talent to, to break out and create new stars even harder, right? You would think. I mean, you would think. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if the strength continues, that there's no reason to, to disagree with that, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk here a, a bit about this Undertaker promo uh, that I said went right to the buzzer. Apparently, the show was running long on Monday night, uh, which is why it cut the way it did, but the Undertaker's full promo did get released by WWE on YouTube, and in it, he warned Goldberg uh, that he's next. He said he's going to rest in peace, and, of course, Goldberg and Undertaker faced off last night on SmackDown to, to wrap the show up there as well. You know, for um, a match that really, you know, there's not a huge amount of story here. I mean, they, they've done a pretty good job, in my opinion, of making this one feel bigger than normal and, and like a must-see attraction. Yeah, I mean, it certainly it helps that it is truly is first time ever. Um, they've actually had some interesting um, <clears throat> little digital extras. Um, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett and Bruce Pritchard, too, that come to mind that uh, are asked backstage for their opinion of who's going to win and they and both 
both guys had a really good kind of interesting analysis. I encourage actually to check them out. I, you know, like like Jeff spoke very real, <laughs> and and Bruce, of course, you know, with his uh, history with the Undertaker. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, it truly is first time ever. I said this last night to, to Matt Morgan and to Glenn on the post SmackDown uh, podcast on, on on Wrestling Inc. You know, I mean, I am. I this is this probably is the match I'm most looking forward to seeing Friday, and I know that I'm not expecting this to be uh, any long match or anything of you know. I know I know it's just going to be basically about the entrances and seeing the two guys in the ring gear face to face, but because it is first time ever, and there's so few of those that happen anymore. I mean, I am interested and I'm glad that they had the undertaker appear last night, even if it was only for, <clears throat> excuse me, even if it was only for a few seconds, um, to stare down Goldberg, because I mean, look, I got the reaction from the crowd, just seeing those two. I mean, I, you know, seeing those two in the, in the ring together, which we, which we don't ever see. I mean, it, you know, they, they have done, they've done just about as enough as of what they need to do. That this isn't something that needs much more other than first time ever, um, you know, legend versus legend. You know, here, here's a quick stare down. You know, tune in Friday. Okay, so what? Are, so what are your expectations for this match now that we've seen the uh, the hype play out? What do you think is going to happen here with these two? I mean, I think you can come as call it right now. I think you're going to see you know a pretty decent stare down. I think it's going to be, um, you know, I, you know, it, it's going to be pretty brief. It's going to it's going to get into the it's going to get into the signature moves pretty quick and maybe one or two reversals or, or missteps. Um, you know, I, I'm 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 thinking the Undertaker wins it. I, I don't see the Undertaker losing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking it's gonna be basic signature matches. I think again, the the combined entrances, uh, the combined length of entrances will probably uh, be longer than the belt to belt match. I'm not expecting anything beyond five minutes. You see, but I wonder if they don't follow the Brock Lesnar formula here, right? Because if Goldberg beats Undertaker, you could set up the rematch, right, with Undertaker seeking vengeance here, which is like exactly what they did when Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar out of nowhere here. Um, I, I think that could maybe work for these two. And, you know, for all of the, uh, you know, uh, smoke around the, the doing the show in, in Saudi Arabia here that the fans don't like, you could then present that later down the road here, you know, on American soil. And I think people would probably well, probably buy into that quite a bit. Well, maybe. I, I, I look at it from the perspective of, <clears throat> okay, who is WWE going to do more with moving forward? Um, I, first off, I think, obviously, if, you know, Vince is making a decision between his, his what, what he, I think, you know, was possibly his greatest creation ever in The Undertaker versus, you know, Goldberg, who was not his creation uh, I think you're, he's going to go with Taker. Secondly, I think that uh, the only reason he's even using Goldberg and that Goldberg is still affiliated with WWE, especially as we heard AEW rumors, is maybe to keep Goldberg from being uh, some name that could go work elsewhere. So I, I think that's the only reason he's uh, doing business still with Goldberg. Uh, I also, you know, so and then uh, because of all that, I could see Taker still doing some other matches, especially the Saudi shows. Uh, they're probably going to go back there again in the fall as they, as they, it looks like they're, they, they're getting primed to do so. Um, you know, again, I could see Taker versus again versus any. You know, I, I keep joking, but not really. I could see Taker versus Sting or some other first-time novelty that doesn't have to be of great depth in the ring, but it'll just get people buzzing. So I think there's just more more need to keep Taker looking like Undertaker. So I, I just don't see him losing. All right. Well, uh, we shall see. Uh, in my gut, though, it's like I remember how much success they had there with with Goldberg and Brock, and how people bought into it. So it's not. It's not out of the back of my head that they could replicate a little bit of that magic here with these two and, and see maybe if you could kick the can down a little, the road here a little bit with them. Uh, but also here in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, we are going to be getting our WWE 50-man battle royal. Uh, we now know a couple of the entrants for the 50-man battle royal. Uh, Elias is announced he's going to be in this. Mojo Raleigh is announced he's going to be in this. Uh, the clubs, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, they're going to be in this thing. Sounds like AJ Styles could potentially be 
uh, in this 50-man battle royal because he is advertised for the show, but he doesn't have a match uh, announced quite yet. Um, you know, I don't know. It'll be a big spectacle here. It's a battle royal, though. Are they going to put 50 guys in the ring all at the same time? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot. Um, how did they do? Because Braun won the first one of these, correct? Yeah, but that um, was a, that was a fifty-man Royal Rumble. Remember, it's a Rumble style, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's interesting. If, if if they actually do Battle Royal, I'm not sure how. I mean, no, nobody will be able to move for the first few minutes until they like just dump, you know, fifteen people out at once. Yeah, uh, which which is very possible. Um, but yeah, will definitely be a be a spectacle. You know, we talked a bit earlier uh, about the WWE twenty four seven championship and uh, you had noted how the numbers for this thing really seem to have uh, given it some some uh, some credibility because our truth and gender mahal they did this golf course segment over the weekend you know we talked a bit about it yesterday on the show i did not know that this segment they did has done over six million video views across youtube facebook and twitter with roughly five million of those views coming from youtube just alone um, uh, secondly here in the world of 24 seven championship last night on SmackDown, we saw more of these kinds of shenanigans as Elias once again, beat our truth for the 24 seven championship this time in a lumberjack match. Uh, but then immediately after the match slipped through all the guys, they kind of, uh, got into the ring there as this was a lumberjack match. Truth and him went under the ring to fight the referee did the pinfall under the ring. Truth wins the belt back takes off. And, uh, now we have our truth, I guess is three or four time. Uh, 24-7 champion. This, I mean, again, it's like this isn't really like my thing, but in the moment it does seem to be doing quite well. So, I mean, I hear from a lot of people, they really seem to like this stuff. Yeah, it's quick. Um, you don't need a lot of backstory to understand it. Uh, right. It's funny, or at least it's an attempt at humor. You know, the, the, the and, and, and in, some, in some cases it is sometimes some of the first times where it's like, you know, they filmed Elias getting pinned under the ring and they put it out online and under the ring and i've ne- they've never done that before so that's something new you know the golf course thing again just you know it, it's just something different it's it's kind of like this 24 7 is a little bit like it's 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 for all the constraints all the restraints we're hearing from you know moxley interviews and such about you know uh, creative and what have this kind of seems like it's some of the you know most okay let's just take the handcuffs off and just do you know, try things uh my only complaint about the golf course thing is why the hell Jinder Mahal, maybe this is part of because i'm laughing as i say it why the hell Jinder Mahal is in his wrestling gear and he can't even put some some like golf slacks and a polo on that that but you know then again he's out there on a golf course with a referee fighting for a title so i guess that's all part of it but you um, know, that's yeah the thing. there was some legwork put into this he knew he was going to be wrestling so he put on his gear and he had to I mean, do you rent the ref? I mean, like, how do how do you get a ref for that situation? You got to pay him, or you just grab oh, right, him, right. take him well, hostage. Well, refs are us, I guess. That's what, right. okay. Well, uh, yeah, you know, you're right about how this does seem, you know, playful and you know, and kind of contrast to a lot of the stuff Moxie was talking about in that interview. But at the same time, you know, I feel like maybe it's getting like too much. I, I hate to say this weirdly, but like, is it too much? Is it too much of a shiny object? for a writing team that largely feels or, or sounds like it is kind of all over the place, because really, like you said, there's no, there's, you don't need any context here, right? It's anything goes. So you can kind of do whatever kind of craziness you want in that space. I still worry about the hive horde uh, attitude of all of these talents chasing guys around and kind of looking silly like that. I, I just, I, I wonder, you know, they are, they are putting so much into it right now. Does it burn itself out? And when it does, what does this division come because right now it's been like involved in main event segments for, for several shows in a row now. I mean, R-Truth genuinely feels like maybe the most important champion in the entire company at the moment. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it, it certainly could burn itself out. I mean, they, they're going to have to they're going to have to try to stay ahead of the curve, so to speak. I mean, they're going to have to before it burns out before this formula burns out. I mean, they're going to need to have somebody, you know, whether it's a legend or a celebrity, they're going to have to have somebody out of the blue win it. And, but, the, but also has some credibility and to, you know, they're going to have to kind of stay ahead of the curve. Obviously they can't, um, they can't get too formulaic and too repetitive for too long, which obviously that's, that's been a, that's been a, you know, that's been a knock on them for a while overall creatively. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, does it, there is a I can go through the roster list and I can certainly classify okay you're somebody who'll be chasing the 24-7 title and that's not necessarily the highest accolade but again if it's being well received and it's getting good numbers I mean it's I guess it's better than than just being a lumberjack at or just or I guess it's better than not being seen at all I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess you're right you know be being seen is better not being seen at all I guess there's that argument but if you're seen in you know, it doesn't really do anything to, to help your clout in the eyes of the fans. I wonder if it's better to just sit out and wait for a better opportunity uh, to come along in some cases. Um, but oh, you know, sure. I mean, like, yeah, like if you're EC3, I mean, I, you know, and he's out there. <laughs> yeah. he's, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what this does for him. but Right. Um, well, you mentioned how a celebrity could win this championship. Well, that's interesting you should say that. Because uh, on ESPN, they chatted with Jeopardy sensation James Holzhauer, uh, the guy who won, like, over two what is it? Two point five million dollars on Jeopardy. Uh, he he did an interview where he said that the Jeopardy producers, you know, when he signed on, they took his game show rights away. He can't run off and do any any more game shows. But one of the things they would not have any problems with him doing is appearing on Monday Night Raw. And uh, I would I you know the, he's interested. He's very buzzy right now. Do you, do you think they could use him? And you know, again, is this the guy to be the first celebrity to hold the twenty four seven championship? I don't know if he's the first celebrity. I'll say this. First off, I'm a huge Jeopardy fan. I watched major the majority of the episodes this guy was on winning. It was incredible to watch his strategy. Uh, I found out he is a WWE fan. I've actually had conversations with James recently, um, trying to, you know, would like to do something with him in the future. Uh, I absolutely can totally believe and see him, um, him, him appearing on WWE in some form or fashion in the future. I can absolutely see that. You know, and, and look, I mean, the guy, you know, he's, you know, he's, you know, he was on Pat McAfee's show. ESPN's done features on him. I mean, you know, the, his his episode of where he lost this past Monday after this amazing streak was like the highest rated episode of Jeopardy that, uh, in his entire run. And I think it had like as good of ratings, if not better than like one of the NBA finals games. I mean, like, so the guys, I mean, he is he, he is he's in his 15 minutes of fame right now. Um, so I can absolutely see that. And he's a fan. So, uh, sure. I, I mean, I, I think him, I mean, if anybody's going to do the fun segments with this guy, our truth seems like the one, right? I mean, James is peppering him with hard to answer questions, confusing him. And then all of a sudden maybe lulls him into, you know, a, a false sense of security. Boom. One, two, three, you know, your world champion, right. new 24 seven. Yeah. Could you imagine our truth in a jeopardy segment? Yeah. Well, he's, he's always a jeopardy, right? You know, this thing is destroying his life, Justin. That's what he said on SmackDown last night. You know, when he was talking to Shane McMahon. The other thing I didn't get about the uh, 24-7 title defense last night in this Lumberjack match was, once again, the rules were altered so that during the Lumberjack match, nobody could attack our truth uh, during his defense against Elias until just uh, after the the match was over. You know, uh, I, I don't know. It's just a little thing. But, uh, but the rules changing all the time. Weird to me. I, I, I meshed this into... 
who's on Raw or SmackDown, who's on Raw that's challenging for a SmackDown title, how many people are actually coming over for a wild card each night. I just I just ignore it because I know none of it matters, none of it's staying consistent. I just don't – I can't keep score anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, talking about keeping score, last night Apollo Crews uh, did not pick up a victory. He didn't even pick up a match. Uh, he got paid a, uh, laid out by Andrade before he could even get into his bout. Uh, right after the match was over, I guess he went to the locker room there. He was scrolling through Twitter. There was a fan that tweeted, man – at WWE Apollo deserves better hashtag SD Live and Apollo decided to retweet that tweet, uh, joining the list of other uh, superstars that have begun to uh, show some uh, displeasure with, I guess, uh, their 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 place on the roster. Yeah, I mean, what's the worst that happens? He doesn't get a match, <laughs> right? I, it's just it, it, it's it's you know it's just endemic at this point. It's it's bizarre to me to see so much unrest on the roster. I mean. I, I, I got to think this the, this resonates with the fans when they see so many wrestlers they like uh, showing this kind of unhappiness now. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly a guy. I don't have no idea when his contract's up, but he's certainly a guy I could easily see, um, you know, wanting to leave. Um, he would be one, you know, if, if the news ever comes out, you know, he'd be he'd be another one. It'd be very interesting, like, if somebody offered some higher amount of money just to keep, you know, just so he couldn't be. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's crazy to see what could happen. But yeah, he's somebody, I mean, he was... Yeah, he was a he's an athletic guy. I mean, I think uh, Uha Nation was was his name uh, on the indie on the independent scene, uh, and yeah, I mean he's done literally nothing since uh, being signed. Yeah, uh, very odd. Uh, and uh, I, I I think he you know he's another guy. Yeah, you just let him off the chain, and if he got some time loose on the indies right now, it would probably create a lot of noise. You know, so uh, we shall see what uh, what comes of Apollo. Uh, we do have our latest Sasha Banks cryptic tweet of the day. Uh, yesterday she tweeted, oh, hi, Mercedes, which is her actual name, and a photo of herself in a, uh, some, uh, some swim gear. And she said, so happy we found you. Let's promise to never lose you again. Love, alien face emoji, hashtag bank on it. Uh, you know, just, again, these do really, a lot of people are interested. You know, I include these each day now because everybody seems to click on them and wonder what Sasha is saying here. But it doesn't sound like she's saying a whole lot of anything. No, and I, and I, uh, you know, I could see, too, um... I just I can't I can't imagine that like we've seen the last or I gotta imagine that uh, or, you know she'll come to some terms in the in the and then she'll they'll, they'll get her back on TV in some way and and it would be smart since they know that okay everybody's noticed she's not around and everybody's reading the internet you know they would be smart to actually let her create a little bit of buzz you know using her real name maybe kind of making people think that okay she's drifting further apart away from the company which would then make her surprise appearance and return to TV whenever that would be that much more of a surprise. So um, I got to think they'll come to terms with her at some point here. And I got to think that she hopefully would be, you know, I mean, I don't know, again, I didn't, you know, I don't know again what her contract situation is, but I, I, I could see them encouraging her to kind of like drum up some buzz and speculation before she would uh, reappear. Uh, we'll talk about coming to terms here. Somebody who did uh, come to terms with uh, impact wrestling. It sounds like is Eli Drake. Uh, he took to Twitter and announced that he is a now officially a free agent. He's no longer with Impact. He did thank Impact. He wished them nothing but success. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting that Drake and Impact recently agreed on a settlement regarding his termination and his non-compete, which paved the way for Tuesday's announcement that he's a full-on free agent. It sounds like the split was on somewhat good terms, as PW Insider noted that uh, one Impact executive had told them, we are happy to have the issue resolved and we wish Eli Drake well going forward another guy free agent off the chain what do you where do you uh where do you see eli drake winding up in this uh very vibrant pro wrestling landscape 
Uh, I mean, he, you know, he's not going to be a free agent for long. I don't think, I mean, um, you know, I could definitely see him landing w- with an AEW. Um, you know, I'm sure triple H and NXT would be interested in, in having him. Um, uh, but, you know, but I, but again, you know, I, I, I think it would just come down to, okay, well, how, how long would we have him here at NXT? And then, and, and I think he would be thinking himself probably the same thing as the trend obviously is okay. NXT is one, one, you know, one thing. And then when you get to Raw and SmackDown, it seems to completely flip the script and potentially, you know, waste some time in your career. So I don't know. I mean, right now, AEW is a safe bet, right? If they, you know, if, if they have a spot for him, which I think they would and, uh, and would have been, would welcome them. And they obviously seem to have some finance behind them, obviously. So I could see an AEW, uh, uh, grabbing him up. My guest at this time is the current Impact Wrestling X Division champion. He's also a former WWE Cruiserweight champion, and he'll be part of Impact Wrestling's New York City TV tapings this weekend, June 6th and 7th, at the Melrose Ballroom. It is Rich Swan. Rich, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you for having me up on here today, baby. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Rich, I haven't had a chance to chat with you since you joined Impact Wrestling, so I'd like to slow it down here real quick. I know, again, you're like a sitting champion. You're involved in so much, but what led you to choose Impact Wrestling as your home after leaving WWE? You know, uh, Impact Wrestling has uh, some of the most exciting wrestlers, uh, some of the most exciting performers, and uh, some of the greatest people uh, in our industry. Um, you know, it's uh, right now run by uh, Don Callis and Scott Demore, and you know, uh, those are two great minds in this business, and uh, the the roster is stacked. You know what I'm saying? Like, and why not put myself a part of something like that? Something that's growing and something that you know can benefit both myself and Impact Wrestling. Yeah, you know, and it's fun. I, I enjoy watching you have so much fun on Impact Wrestling these days, uh, especially alongside your buddy Willie Mack. Uh, how much is it? How nice is it to know that Willie Mack's gonna be around here for the foreseeable future with you and Impact? You know, man, it's awesome. Willie Mack is a great talent. Uh, he does some of the most unbelievable things that, you know, you wouldn't even uh, picture a guy his size. You wouldn't even think he would be able to do it. Um, but you know what? That's a lot of the roster. You know what I mean? Like Michael Elgin, he can do uh, some crazy stuff uh, that you would not expect a heavyweight like himself to do. Uh, Brian Cage, who's the current Impact World Champion, he does some things that is unbelievable. The guy is 300 pounds. He looks like a freaking machine, but that's why they call him the machine. And uh, <laughs> he can do anything under the sun that's you know uh back to that first question that's why you know what i mean like i wanted to align myself with impact wrestling um you know like there's just so much crazy talent yeah well talking about crazy talent uh you were involved in the main event of impact wrestling this past week where you pinned former impact wrestling world champion johnny impact uh, how did it feel to pick up a big victory like that uh, in impact wrestling you know uh, uh to be in the ring with a guy that um, you watched growing up, aspiring to be a professional wrestler, uh, then to uh, get in the ring with them in one of the most historic buildings in our industry, yeah. the ECW arena, right? Yeah. And then to be in the main event and to get that victory over a former Impact World Champion, like there's not much I can really say is like, it's just an unbelievable feeling, you know? And, 
I got my sights set on uh, Johnny Impact because he has that Ultimate X, and I know that he's looking at me. I've got that X Division Championship, and uh, he knows that I'm ready to rock anytime he wants to rock. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to throw hands. Well, and and Johnny Impact, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder right now for sure. I mean, he's a wild card. He could cash that thing in when you're at your weakest moment. Is that correct? Yes, yes, he can. Well, but you also kind of have uh, a quasi-money-in-the-bank type situation here where the X-Division Championship uh, can also be used as an option C. Uh, have you thought about getting out of the, the sights of Johnny Impact here, abandoning the title, and maybe taking a shot at what is now an injured uh, Brian Cage? You know, uh, I've wrestled Brian Cage at his best and if I was to do something like that, that would be out of character for me. And um, to be honest, I'd like to build the X Division and I'd like to be the head of the X Division and, and show the world what I can do uh, holding this championship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to take a championship and then just push it to the side just for an opportunity you know what i mean yeah if i lose this i'm gonna lose it you know and if i get an opportunity at the world championship i get an opportunity i'd rather earn that opportunity rather than use a pawn to get that you know what i mean yeah, well, you know, it's it's nice to hear you say how you want to earn that opportunity. Uh, you've also praised Michael Michael Elgin in this interview. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you is how do you feel about Michael Elgin really just walking almost right into that world title picture here and getting this title opportunity against Cage at Slammiversary? I mean, well, you got to think about it. Michael Elgin is a former world champion in uh, various uh, promotions, uh, Ring of Honor, uh, he was the first uh, never open weight champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Michael Elgin, uh, various times like killing it, PWG. Uh, the guy is a nonchalant like wrestler's wrestler. His wrestling IQ is higher than any wrestlers that I've ever been in the ring with. And that is uh, a full on like, like uh, I'm telling the truth there. Michael Elgin is a beast for him to come in and do what he did to Brian Cage. uh, I'm sorry that Brian Cage got injured, but you know, it was a huge acquisition for impact wrestling. Um, And right now that's what impact wrestling needs is stars like Michael Elgin. And for him to not just come in and say, Oh, I'm going to come in and uh, earn my spot. You know, that's not my deal, but, Michael Elgin, he said, hey, I'm pushing everybody to the wayside, and they're getting this spinning power bomb, and I'm putting you in the hospital. That's not how I would do things, but that's how he does things, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, you, uh, you've you certainly been doing things uh, your way here for a bit at Impact. You've held this title, the X Division Championship, for a few months now, and you picked up a victory uh, defending your title in a hellacious OVE rules match against Sammy Callahan at Rebellion. Now, you two... Uh, have a lot of history. It was laid out there in your promos. Do you consider your feud with Sammy done now that you finally got that big victory over him? You know, right now it may be finished, but I don't think it's ever done with Sammy Callahan. Um, He likes to hold grudges. He likes to let things fester in his mind. 
and until he thinks that, you know what I'm saying, he's gotten his way, then he's not going to be ever done with me, um, you know. And uh, that match at Rebellion, um, my gosh, I'm not going to say I, I won by the skin of my teeth because it was a fight. It was a, a knockdown drag out and um, blood, powder, Legos, what? We had staples, barbed wire. Um, when you do that to a person, you never forget. When you stick somebody or staple somebody or, or you ever step on a Lego, bro? I have. You know, I, that, yeah, you know what that feels like. It's never done. You remember that for the rest of your life. So, like, it's never done with me and Sandy. Well, and, you know, you, like I said, y'all's promos really got pretty personal. And he brought up, you know, some very sensitive moments from your life, Rich. You've had a, a very complicated history, to say the least. I mean, how do you feel about him bringing forward some of those things about, like, your your father and such? You know... It's things that I've brought up in the past. It's things that I have, you know, shed light to to the wrestling fans and the wrestling community. I'm not ashamed of what my life is. I'm not ashamed of what has happened in my life because I feel like, you know, if I share that, there might be somebody out there that will hear that and that will be like, you know what, well, maybe I can become a wrestler. Maybe I can do what, you know, they want to do. Uh, but as as Sammy going and putting things out there and saying the stuff that just put more fuel to the fire and it just you know made things more interesting just to hear it come out of his mouth and I like it because then the people are going to get more interested they're going to get more drawn in and then they're going to see what I'm going to do to them. Because, you know, when you say some over-the-line stuff like he did, people are going to want to see Sammy Callahan get his just desserts. And that's what, you know, I gave him. Well, and Sammy Callahan, you know, you talked about how great it was to be in the 2300 arena uh, alongside so many ECW superstars uh, or former superstars that were on that card. But Sammy has said that he thinks that those wrestlers should not be with the company. They need to make room for younger talent. I mean, do you agree with Sammy on that point? Can you say that one more time? I was just saying that Sammy Callahan basically feels the ECW wrestlers like Dreamer and Sandman and, and the others, RVD, that have found their way into Impact. He doesn't see a place for them. He thinks that they should be leaving and making room for younger talent. So that's why I think he's wrong. There's room for everyone in professional wrestling. I think there's room for everybody in Impact Wrestling. I think those veterans that come in, I think they do nothing but give the younger talent more insight they give nothing but more you know lessons and, and and help the younger talent out and and show them the way they lead the path and you know what i'm saying help them create their own path i have a blast having sabu and rvd and tommy and the locker room you know what i'm saying uh screw sammy callahan uh, well, it's, uh, it's somebody I wanted to bring up, you know, uh, you, you left WWE. There's another guy that just re left WWE right now and John Moxley, obviously he's going elsewhere, but I know he's got a lot of history with Sammy. You were supposed to be an OVE. You've certainly got a pension. It seems for deathmatch wrestling. I mean, what do you think about the way Moxley handled his exit and the, the way in general he's transitioned? 
you know, I think John Moxley, uh, Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to call him, I think he's always been a great talent. Um, you know, how he handled his things, that's how he handled his deal, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and what a great time for professional wrestling for him to just be on WWE TV uh, about a month or so ago um, and then come to a new brand of professional wrestling, a new brand of our industry uh, and make history. And, you know, uh, I thought it was awesome. I watched the show and, uh, you know, I thought it was cool. And, you know, it's definitely going to be good for our industry. It's going to be good for all of professional wrestling because uh, when one place rises up, we all rise up. So, well, and I'll, that's how I feel about that. I, I wanted to ask you too. You know, he did this explosive interview with Jericho where he really buried WWE's creative events. And I was wondering, you know, you're here in Impact. You know, did you struggle with a lot of the complaints that he had in WWE? And how different is it for you now in Impact Wrestling as compared to what you were, were dealing with in WWE creatively? You know, uh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, for me, myself, you know what I mean? Like, I really didn't, you know, have any problems, but that's me, you know, in general. Um, Being in WWE at the time, there wasn't really another place to go to uh, as well. So I'd probably say I was content and, uh, you know, like anything that was given to me, I'd work with and I didn't have a problem. Uh, But at the time, I was just, you know, starting to be in WWE and get my feet wet. Uh, So, and, you know, an opportunity like that for me, being an African-American male, 27 years old. No, no, no. I'm sorry. 25 years old, being 5'6 at 165 pounds, that opportunity doesn't come every single day. You know what I'm saying? So I'm working my ass off. You know what I mean? Um, as of the comments that Moxley said, I would not disagree. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody has their own way and everybody has their own path. Uh, so, you know, I'm not a man that's going to get into anybody's business or anything. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm not prying into his business. Um, but as for me and WWE, uh, my creative or whatever, like I had a good time. Um, it just, it just, ended up for me that personal issues uh, got in the way for my departure in WWE. It wasn't all creative or I wasn't working right or blah, 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 blah. Um, But fast forward to the fact it's okay because everything in impact, uh, you know, like, yeah, it's great. It's, it's, I'm working with, uh some of the like i said before like with some of the greatest uh in our profession today and uh they're definitely lenient on uh match quality and and time and uh uh promos it's uh it's not uh very scripted it's very uh, it's about what you would say it's how you would come across and you really get to really show out as a performer you know, mm-hmm. uh, all around, not just in the ring, but in the back, uh, and, and doing things like I'm doing right now, interviews, you know, yeah. you really get to show up. 
I would never get this interview with you if you were with WWE. That is for sure. Um, but, you know, that's that's why I wonder. You know, you've gotten to see both sides of the pond here. I mean, do you just – I don't know we're running right up against our, our, our time limit here. But, I mean, you feel more – do you feel more creatively empowered, I guess, saying here in Impact Wrestling? Um, you know, that's definitely a hard question because uh, anything that I would ask uh, – in WWE or if I ever had an idea or anything, uh, they would be, you know, all ears. They would listen. So, and it's been the same experience in Impact Wrestling. So I can't really, you know, say too much. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like. Yeah. Uh, Well, my last question here, Rich, uh, you do get to share the locker room uh, with your wife, Sue Young. You all are on screen, at least, seem like very different people. Have you ever considered uh, or pitched anything about going to the undead realm? Are you interested in in entering that side of of her world there, or do you like being separate characters on TV? Well, let me ask you this question. All right. Has she ever thought about stepping over into the world of the funky, groovy locomotive trade and, you know, maybe bringing some life back to her? I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe I've thought about being undead. Maybe she thought about being resurrected. Hey, Ooh. we don't know. Ooh. Ooh, nice, nice. We don't know. I love the twist. Uh, well, Rich, I want to thank you so much for the time. I'm glad I finally got to grab you here for a couple minutes to chat since you've joined Impact Wrestling. Uh, where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, and all those great things online? Well, actually, you know, Rich Swan is an old school daddy. I don't have any social media. I don't have a Twitter. I don't have a Facebook. I don't have an Instagram. But when you see Rich Swan on a show, come up to me. Greet me, because I'll greet you with a smile, because Rich Swan goes the extra mile, daddy. That's from Teddy Hart quote baby <laughs> but uh yeah i don't have social media but if you got any pictures or any questions or any updates or any requests to have me on a show just email me at richard swan 27 at gmail.com so take me back to kind of what your first wrestling memory was or what kind of really got you in, into it as much as you are I remember being like five or six years old and watching it at my grandfather's house. And that was my first, um, I guess, entry into wrestling and really understanding what it was. We're talking like Saturday main event. But I didn't really start getting into it like as crazy as you and I are now until 15, 16 years old. Uh, it was the heart of the Attitude Era, Stone Cold and The Rock and Vince McMahon, Undertaker and Triple H. And it's funny because... I was a, um, an amateur wrestler, the high school wrestler at the time. And you kind of look down on pro wrestling when you're an amateur wrestler. And I remember, like, I had a b- bunch of friends that watched wrestling, and I was like, oh, what are you watching that for? It's, it's fake. And then one Monday night, I just started watching it, and I was so hooked. And the funny part about it is my parents, my dad especially, hated the fact that I liked wrestling. And my dad would do whatever he could to make sure that I didn't watch it. And I had to do that thing where, like, you had another channel on, like, recall. So anytime I heard my dad coming near the basement, I would, like, have to hit the recall button and pretend I was watching something else. Um, That (laughs) happened for... I was going to say, it was almost like like porn for you. It's like, oh, I (laughs) got to change the channel so my dad doesn't come. (laughs) 
I mean, and I get it. Like it would, you know, the women were having bra and panty matches and Stone Cole was flipping off his boss and everyone was telling everyone to suck it. Like, I get it. I get why you wouldn't want your kid watching that. Um, but it took a little while and my parents finally were just like, all right, well, if this is his thing then this is his thing. They also didn't love the fact that that kind of, well, that turned into me being a wrestler and I was a backyard wrestler with some of my closest friends in high school for two years. And oh. I mean, and what kid did you wrestle, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that you did that too. Okay. Yeah. What was your persona? Was what was your character? <laughs> My name was Chris Sharp because I was sharp walking, sharp talking, and sharp dressing. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I had a. I did the swanton bomb as my finishing move, um, which when you when I look back at that and think back about that, that's pretty crazy that I was just jumping off of whatever I could jump off of and landing on my friends. And just at the absolute last semi-second, um, flipping so I wouldn't break my neck. Mm-hmm. Was that sharp with an E or without, a, without an E? <laughs> no, no, no E. Okay, no E, okay. So take me through to your, your first, uh, you know, when you met a WWE superstar or WCW wrestler, just what that, what that interaction was like when you went into it. Do you have, like, any pre- preconceived notions and kind of how did that meet, how they meet them or feed them? So after, you know, I first started watching at 15 or 16, anytime that there was an autograph signing, and I grew up just outside of Toronto. So, you know, we had a lot of wrestling stuff that would come there. So anytime there was an autograph signing, I would line up and do it. I remember lining up at, like, this pizza chain in Canada called Pizza Pizza. I remember lining up there to uh, for hours to uh, get an autograph from the Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys. I remember they were opening up, opening up this new, like, arcade in Toronto, in downtown Toronto, called Palladium. And it was February in Toronto, so you can imagine how cold this was. And my friends and I uh, skipped school that day, lined up outside for six hours, uh, because Christian Tristratish and Kurt Angle were there. And we thought we were going to meet them. And then we got in and realized that, no, we just got into, like, this event where they were going to be. And the autograph signing was actually a VIP thing. So... We got in and didn't actually didn't actually get to meet them, um, but someone well we weren't supposed to meet them. But then someone there was like, oh, I, I know you guys are really big fans, so I'm gonna like I'm gonna sneak you in the back, and we somehow got in and got to meet them. But six hours in the February Canadian winter uh, to meet them. <laughs> so how were they? Oh, it was great. But as you know, these autograph signings are just like basically they say hi, how are you, and then you move on. Right. So I didn't I didn't really get a chance to actually interact with a wrestler till my very first interview with a wrestler, which uh, was in 2007. I was hosting a show in Vancouver called Nine Six Nine, which is on MTV Two in Canada, and we had the chance to like review video games and interview celebrities and interview um, actors. And when I found out that WWE was coming to town, I did everything I could to get an interview, and it was with Bobby Lashley. It was the ECW champion at the time. And I just couldn't get over how large of a human he was. Um, That was number one. And he was such a nice guy. And I I don't have that tape anymore for that interview. I wish I did. But when I think back to it, I cringe because I know that I was basically one of those interviewers that was just 
asking questions, waiting for answers, then asking the next question I had prepared, then waiting for an answer. Um, so I know it wasn't nearly as good as, you know, how my interviewing style has now kind of progressed. Right. Okay. And, and you mentioned that, you know, how your interview style has progressed. Um, one of the things that a, a lot of people in social media will notice is you built these connections with those in the business, namely, you know, a few just one comes to mind, Dolph Ziggler. Just how did these connections uh, uh, begin and just how have they evolved over the years? With Dolph Ziggler, um, he came to town when I was in Cleveland. I was working in Cleveland. He's from Cleveland. He came by for an interview, and I just did an interview with him, and that was that. And then we started following each other on Twitter and just kind of, you know, kept in touch just by, like, seeing each other's tweets. And then when he was back in town for, like, I think Thanksgiving, I just reached out to him and said, hey, you're going to be back in town. Can we do an interview? He gave me his number, and then we kind of just kept in touch from there. Anytime he was in Cleveland, we would – do an interview, stay in touch. Um, and he's been so kind, so nice. And I think that the biggest misconception people have about these interviews is uh, too many people are out for themselves. Too many interviewers, too many YouTubers, too many podcasters are out for themselves trying to see what's in it for me. What, how can I make this the best interview for me? Not looking at it the way you should be looking at it and as what's in it for them. What makes, uh, you know, why would they take their time which is super valuable, why would they take their time to do an interview with you? So I've always tried to position it to how is this beneficial to the person I'm doing an interview with? And now that I've been doing bigger interviews that have been getting more and more views, um, they've been easier to get now. Yeah, it seems like people are find out your reputation and are willing more to open up. You're getting some, you know, a lot of people, even some, I want to say obscure, but um, you know, not the rock level, but you're talking to these guys and they're they're opening up maybe for the first time and they're saying things that really get newsworthy because people see them in a different light because of how you're presenting them. Yeah, like the one I just uploaded, you know, an hour ago. It's with Rhino. And it was through a mutual connection, a mutual friend that we had. Rhino called me up and said, hey, my contract ends on July 17th. They are, uh, they're offering more, me more than double the money, but I don't want to take it because they just want me to sit at home. Um, so I'm leaving and I want to, to get my story out there. And I know that you're the best at doing that. So, uh, we organized it. I flew to Detroit yesterday for a couple hours, did the interview, posted it today. And I can't tell you how grateful I am, Scott, that people are like reaching out to me seeing that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I'm a reporter. So I'm going to tell the story. I don't have any sort of, um, I don't have any sort of other motivation. I don't have any dogs in this fight. I'm a fan just like everyone else is. And I'm just asking some questions and hoping to get some responses. And so people know um, you're doing this because you have your full-time job at Channel 7, but you're doing these on your days off, right? Yeah. Yeah, I took yesterday as a vacation day. And then I was in Arizona this weekend because I had the chance to interview Justin Roberts and talk about AEW. So, yeah, I'm doing these on my days off because um, I love it. And it's really uh, cool watching my YouTube channel be able to grow from me as a fan to fellow fans who are enjoying this content. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you want to take with, like, from this experience that you, is your ultimate goal just to keep doing these interviews, or where do you want to see it? Where do you want to see this ultimately go? I mean, I'm pretty happy doing what I'm doing. I mean, I've got an amazing day job working for Channel 7 here. Uh, Deco Drive is a legendary show. It's been on the air for you know, well over 20 years, which in local television, that's unheard of. 
fact that I'm being, being able to do these YouTube interviews with wrestlers who I look up to in my free time, it's the best of all worlds right now. So I'd like to just be able to continue what I'm doing now. I hope that my YouTube channel continues to grow as people find my stuff and, you know, enjoy my stuff. And uh, that's all I can really hope for. And uh, you also are doing stuff with Cricket Wireless. Just uh, You can just tell me how that kind of came about and what, what you're doing for them. So uh, they host live stream interviews at the big WWE pay-per-views like the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania and Survivor Series and SummerSlam. So because of my YouTube following, um, they asked me to come on and host these interviews uh, for their live stream Facebook uh, interviews and also for my YouTube channel. So it's just another extension of my YouTube channel being able to go out there and reach even uh, more people. Okay. And uh, you're also doing stuff for, for Blueprint Wrestling, a local uh, independent group in South Florida. Um, just talk about what that experience has been like for you and, and how you feel like it's been growing, you know, show to show. So uh, I, uh, I was a, uh, I wanted to be a wrestler growing up. Like the backyard wrestling for me kind of uh, went into me going, I want to be a wrestler when I grow up. So I went to wrestling school when I was, uh, I guess I was 19, 20 years old. I went to wrestling school and um, it didn't really pan out with my schedule. With, I was in college at the time and it didn't pan out. So I've been really fortunate to be able to be part of that independent wrestling world without having to go in and take bumps. I've been a ring announcer for the last, I guess it's been like 12 years in different organizations within Toronto and Cleveland and now in South Florida. And it's awesome to be part of the show. Obviously I love performing in some sort of way, you know, the fact that I'm not host on television. So I get to be part of the show and, uh, and I can still, you know, walk. I don't have to like ice any bruises or anything. I'll be taking a whole bunch of bumps. So it's the best of both worlds there. And uh, you're known for, you know, the style and your dress. So, to let people know, how many suits do you currently own right now? How many are in the <laughs> uh, I haven't counted recently, but I would say there's probably 20 suits. And for me, it's just a matter of, like, if I can dress up and show, um, you know, that I care about the way I look, I think that it shows respect for the people that are watching me on television and also the people that when I dress up and do interviews for movies – it shows respect for the people that I'm doing the interviews with. Um, and that's always kind of been my thing. I want to look the part um, and, and show people that, uh, you know, I'm serious about what I'm doing. I like that. All right. And lastly, uh, what, what's your most memorable inter- one interview that you'll always remember? I know you've talked to The Rock many times, and there's other big names, you know, John Cena. But what's one that you kind of, when you think about things and why you do this job, is there anything, is there one experience that kind of stands out for you? He was my favorite wrestler growing up. I remember raising the people's eyebrows in high school and yelling, it doesn't matter at people. So he was always at the top of my list. And then I had the chance to interview him for the first time in 2012. And he was everything you'd want him to be. Charismatic, he's outgoing, he's funny makes you feel special, um, you know, in a way that I've never really experienced with any other celebrities. So I've now had the um, incredible good fortune of interviewing The Rock nine times. My most memorable one happened three years ago. I actually just posted about this on Instagram. I was interviewing The Rock for the Ballers Season 2 Red Cover premiere, and uh, The Rock came up to me. We were live on television. 
during a commercial break at the time when The Rock walked up to me. It's not like you can tell The Rock, like, hey, can you just wait a minute uh, until we get back on live TV because we want to do this interview? So I started doing the interview, and I was doing whatever I could to drag this interview out so that by the time the commercials were done, I'd be talking to The Rock, which I was successful in doing. And then when I told The Rock that we were on live TV, he's like, oh, I can, uh, I can do anything I want now. I can say anything I want. I'm like, oh, I mean, I guess you could. I suggested that we do a people's eyebrow off. And when I turned to look at the camera and do my people's eyebrow, The Rock gave me the middle finger behind my head on live TV. So uh, I didn't know this happened. I turned around, thanked him for the interview. And then uh, as soon as I got off TV, my boss called me. and was very angry that The Rock had flipped me off on live TV. And I didn't even know this had happened. But as you know, as if that was anyone else, I might have been upset. The fact that it was The Rock, it was awesome. A sign of uh, love, I think, on The Rock's part. <laughs> and you still have that photo now, and you can always show. Oh yeah, and the video on YouTube has like two million views. That's great. It's like a badge of honor. I think so. All right. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for your time. It was great connecting. Uh, you know, being fellow South Florida, it was great to connect. Yeah, with yeah. Like well. I've, I've seen it. I've, I've seen everything you're doing. You're getting all kinds of big interviews, so congrats on that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. You uh, Hopefully we can collaborate more in the future. Are you going to uh, Are you going to Double or Nothing or any other yes. big events coming up? Yes, I Yeah, I'm going yeah. to Double or Nothing. Yeah, you're going? Awesome. All right. Yeah. All right, so we'll are see you then. Are you doing some interviews when you're there? Um, it, I might. I'm not sure yet because uh, I'm also kind of double-backing it with uh, where I'm going with my wife for like an anniversary because it's number seven for us, so... I decided to kind yeah, of do double. So um, I I am going to check out StarCast a little bit and then maybe the uh, press conference and the weigh-in and stuff like that. So Nice. Well, I'm excited. I, I, I'm yeah, really so you're going to get a ton. Yeah, that's like a perfect spot for you <laughs> to do your interviews. I'm gonna tr- I mean, I'm going to try. It's As you know, it's tough when you go to events like that. I, I'd honestly much rather, like, drive oh, or yeah. fly to get exclusives because, like, at WrestleMania, I only got, like, five interviews. Because I don't want, like, a two-minute interview. I want, like, a 20-minute interview. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. So if, if they're going to give me a two-minute interview at Access, I'm almost like, you know, ah, I'd rather not. I'm okay. I'd rather get that longer interview. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Like, for me, going to the charity events is, uh, is a good resource. Because uh, then you have a little bit yes. less people there, and then you have a little yeah. bit more time that they give you because of it. So that's what I found. Yeah. Anyway. Well, you're also lucky with what you're doing. You know, you don't need a, the video component as much as I do. Right, right. But yours is more yeah. lucrative, too, so you have to, you know, obviously working for it is, makes it worth it for you. Yeah, I mean, it can be. Uh, it's, it's certainly a, an uphill battle, but the more time I put into this, the more potential I, I see in it. So that's why I'm, you know, pulling out all the stops to make this stuff happen. I love it. <laughs> love seeing it. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. You too. You know, I, I love seeing all your stuff out there. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> I try. And, it's a lot and of you were in Justin Roberts' book. Yeah, I couldn't believe that when you said that. I was like, damn, I need to get this book now. <laughs> you got yeah, to get that I book. I had dinner with yeah. him on Saturday and told him, and he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, that situation with Scott was so strange <laughs> and weird. It was, like, yeah, so awkward, yeah. <laughs> it was so awkward, yeah. It was so weird, yeah. I remember that. that was, oh, no. And I still have it somewhere. I still. I, I was wondering what happened to that business of his. Oh, he's still doing it, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. That's yeah. good to know. Great. I really right, appreciate well, you go. taking the time to do this. And like, yeah, I, I know you're super busy. Oh, so. we're all super busy. But, you know, there's a lot of people that only see me as the YouTube guy or only see me as a Deco Drive guy. So it's kind of nice to let people know 
you know, what I'm doing and where my motivations lie. Yeah, they'll probably do that. Uh, what I usually do is I do like a written form, and then um, a lot of times they'll actually use the audio, uh, some of the audio for like their uh, week, their daily podcast that they do. Oh, that's so, cool. So awesome. It'll kind of be double, double the uh, exposure there. So Great. Help All right, I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank no you. Problem. All right, well, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, if you do anything else, guy, let me know. All right, you too. Bye. Thanks, man. Bye. Thank you very much, Justin, for joining me at the uh, top of the show to talk all the news of the week, or the last 24 hours, I should say. Uh, thank you very much to Rich Swan and Chris Van Villet, as well as Scott Fishman, uh, for those wonderful interviews. And thank you all very much uh, for tuning in and listening. If you like the show, you want to support the show, go over to our iTunes page, five-star ratings, nice comments, always appreciated. You go over to the Wrestling Inc. Pro Wrestling Tea Store, go get yourself a nice old-school logoed shirt or a Jack Journalist shirt. Uh, take a photo of you wearing it, share it over on Twitter, tag me, tag the site, We'll retweet it, show you, show you some social media love. I'll be back on, this Friday on the Ringside Wrestling app, 2 p.m. I'm going to be joined this week by Michael Weissman as our own Raj Geary is on vacation right now. So Michael will be joining me to top, talk to top five stories of the Wink this Friday. Uh, also, there's going to be a big Super Showdown post-show this Friday, starting around 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, I yesterday said I was supposed to uh, do this show with Glenn, and then I got a big interview booked for this Friday during the first hour of the Super Showdown. So I don't know. I haven't talked to you about it. I know Raj emailed you, but I think maybe you you might be doing it. Are you going to do it or no? He asked me because I was available, and then he said he didn't need me. So now I'm no longer available. So no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's doing it and uh, who's doing it Friday. Probably be Weissman. My guess would be Weissman, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, anyway, and your interview is big, and, your inter- and for everybody wondering, this is a big interview that Nick's got. So. It's a very big interview, guys. It's deserving of of me putting my focus for that first hour there, and I'm not going to fast forward through the show to catch up and like miss stuff. It's a review show, so we'll find somebody a suitable replacement. I promise you, our Super Showdown post show will be as good, if not better, than the actual Super Showdown. That is the promise that I'm making to everybody, Justin. That's a great tagline. You're coming up with yourself. I did. I wrote it into the run sheet so I wouldn't forget it. Pretty good. Uh. Uh, and uh, <laughs> lastly here, tomorrow on the show, we will be back. More punditing. Me and Justin back in the saddle. Uh, I want to promote tomorrow on the show. We are finally going to air the full. It's like an hour and some odd change. Uh, Raj did chat with Ryback for his podcast couple weeks ago we've been wanting to air this here on the show because there's just a lot of juicy good news tidbits in that so tomorrow sit back relax we're going to be welcoming Ryback and Raj Geary to the show uh, alongside our usual news block uh, and with that Justin what do you want to plug promote put over here to wrap up the show today hit me up on social media at Justin Labar and I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter thanks so much for tuning in and remember if you winked you didn't miss it <laughs>